0: Father, I I just speak the blood of Jesus over this household, Lord. I just pray, Father, the walls of protection over this house. I decree over Cornerstone, Lord, no cancer. No premature deaths, no suicides, no abortions, no miscarriages. Lord, we rebuke the spirit of lust. Lord, we rebuke that spirit of sexual immorality. Lord, we pray, God, that you will purge this old lump and make it a new one. I speak the blood of Jesus over this house, Lord. I pray that the enemy will not have a foothold in Cornerstone, Lord. That there be no spirit of divorce, Lord. But the spirit of marriage will be strong in this house, Lord. I speak in Jesus' name, Lord, that your people will be strong and God and I pray in Jesus name that demons and the elder powers of the enemy Lord will not be able to set foot in this house God so I speak the blood again Lord of Jesus over cornerstone and over all our family members and all our children and all our loved ones God let there be safety and protection in this house because we ask this in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to continue on my message, uh, The Prophetic Dilemma. And I want to talk about charlatans, false prophets, and wolves. And I want to continue where I left off the last week when I talked about uh, why uh, prophecies... Uh, what do you do when prophecies don't come to pass? And I want to do it for several reasons. Number one, uh, I never had so much response from a message that I did the last week. Uh, a lot of people wrote in, and I think it just struck a chord with many people. And a day after I preached a message, I had dinner with a wonderful couple from our church. Church, very dear friends of ours, and you know the lady. Uh, she said to me, Pastor Young, before I heard you preach the message, I had already made an internal decision that I was done with all these prophets. I was done with the prophetic ministry. You know there were a lot of prophets that were circling around her because of uh, influence and her wealth, and and she said, I'm done with them. And it's not just the fact that the prophecies given to her did not come to pass, but the fact that I think a lot of people took advantage of her position, took advantage of her vulnerabilities, took advantage of her wealth, and uh, and and some sort of the you know milk her. And, uh and you know man I'm, it sickens me all right it just sickens me when people behave the way they behave right uh you know and and a lot of these so called prophets they they have this ability to somehow sniff out Rich people in the congregation. And it's just, I don't know how, they they know how to do it, all right? And play the gallery. And I've seen this before. And it's my job as the pastor to ensure that the church of Jesus Christ here in Cornerstone is protected. Hallelujah. Amen. And of course, the New York Times uh, ran an op-ed just a couple of days after I preached a sermon. Uh, And it it was entitled, What Happens When Prophets Are Wrong? This is the New York Times, right? And so this is a big issue, not just in the church, but it's also a big issue, of course, in the secular media as well. And it really needs to be addressed because there's a lot of confusion, and I want to bring some kind of a clarity. Now, as your pastor, as your shepherd, I've got four primary responsibilities, right. I'm called first by the Lord Jesus to feed his people. All right. Remember, Jesus said to Simon Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. All right. And this is my primary responsibility. I know that I have other pastors in Cornerstone that do some of the feeding, but I'm the primary communicator of the church, and this is my responsibility. All right. The second responsibility I have is to care for you pastorally. All right. And of course, again, I have a whole staff to help me do this. Uh, Jesus said again to Peter, "Uh, if you love me, tend to my sheep. Care. for my sheep pastorally, right, uh, and we're not just to care for the weak ones, but also the healthy ones as well. Uh, the third thing I'm called to do is uh, I'm, I'm called to protect you as a pastor, and God has not given me a rod and a staff for no reason, right? There's uh, there's something of an authority that I believe God has given to the uh, the shepherds of the land, and I, I, I and we, we need to learn how to exercise that authority. I'm going to circle back to number three because this whole message is come is, is coming out of a protective instinct for cornerstone, and then. Number four, I'm here to guide you, which is vision, all right? And vision is not just foresight. It's not just insight. It's not just hindsight. It's true sight. It's seeing the way God uh, wants you to see. It's seeing into heaven itself, all right? And I remember one time I had a very powerful prophetic dream, and in the dream, God spoke to me audibly. And he said to me, he said, the gift of, vision, the gift of leadership is vision, and I have given vision to you. And so I, I, I believe that God has given me a clear vision, a God-given vision, which is a crystal clear picture of a preferred future. Amen. Now, of course, this, I said again that this message comes out of my protective instinct. I'm a, God has made me a father in the house. And um, I, I, you know, I, I, I won't allow fraudsters to come in. I won't allow people that are going to skim God's people or milk God's people. And uh, we're not going to allow anyone to come in and fleece you or steal your reward. Amen. Uh, My text today is Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. And it says, and and the writer of the Hebrews says, this is one of the most significant verses, I think, in the New Testament. Okay, Uh, The writer says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world's. Now, these verses in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, I think, I believe, are some of the most important uh, verses in the Bible because it, it signals a shift, all right? It signals a paradigm shift on the way God is going to communicate with His people. In the Old Testament, God communicated with His people through the prophet. The prophet gets the word from God. And then he takes it to the people. He will tell the people what the word of God is. The people will speak back to the prophet. The prophet will take the word back to God. And God will respond. And the prophet will go to the people. Because the intermediary in the Old Testament is the prophet. All right? Uh, But in the New Testament, everything changed. The moment we came into the new covenant, everything changed. The way God communicates with his people changed drastically. Now, in the old covenant the, by the, the 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 apostle I'm so sorry, the prophet Joel said, "In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh right in the Old Testament, God did not do that in the Old Testament, God poured out his spirit on selected flesh, he poured out his spirit on apostle uh, prophets he poured out his spirit on uh, uh, kings uh, and even gifted artisans uh, priests and gifted artisans like uh, uh, Oholia, basileel but The majority of people did not have the Spirit of God. But when you cross into the new covenant, how many of you are glad that every single one of you here in this room, if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. In a a measure, all right? In in a measure, not in fullness, but in a measure. But uh, we need to grow in, in the Spirit, of course, and grow and ask the Lord to keep on filling us with the Holy Spirit. And the way that God communicates in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is very different. In the New Testament, there's only one mediator. His name is Jesus. Come on, hallelujah. And, uh, and, and that's very important for us to understand. Because if you don't grasp this, my friends, you're always going to f- uh, be in the danger of slipping into error. Trust me in this, right? You have to understand that in the Old Testament... Uh, the, the, the prophets were God's intermediaries, but in the New Testament, the only intermediary we have is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll explain this to you in a few moments. All right? in, uh, there's, a, there's a wonderful scripture in Psalms 147 and verse 15, and it says that the Lord sends his commands uh, to the earth and his word runs very swiftly. I want you to picture this with me just let your imagination run a little while uh, with me just to, just I want you to catch, catch this picture all right i can see jesus standing on the very balconies of heaven and uh, and he speaks a word and his voice that carries the word reverberates through the cosmos and the people on the earth who are trained to hear the people who are prophetic they pick up what God is saying it's like a a radio you know with FM AM radio it it just picks up the right uh, frequency uh, that is being transmitted and it picks up the right frequency all right and I've been to so many conferences where uh, the guy stands up and he doesn't know the next speaker and this next speaker doesn't know this big and everybody has the same scripture everybody has the same team and you're wondering my goodness how did it happen because they were all hearing from the Holy goes amen amen this is one heart one voice one one spirit amen and uh but th- that's really important right to learn how to intuit the voice of god now the problem with most of us is that while we're living in the new covenant we have an old covenant mindset we sometimes criticize the catholics i always say well you know they have to go through the intermediaries like mary and all the saints we do the same thing man We fall into the same rut. Uh, And I'll I'll show you how we Protestants fall into the same rut. How many times have people come to us as pastors and think that we, because I'm a pastor, I have a better connection to God than you have. And the moment you think like that, you fall into old covenant covenant mentality. Ma, pastor, you know, I I pray, can't get to God, but your signal better. I don't have a better signal. And that's one of the things that I'm telling you, the people flock to the prophets because they want a word from God. And I I always remember this woman going up to the prophet and says, I want a word from the Lord. And the the prophet says, I have a word for you. Go and read the word of God. Hallelujah. And I tell you this, God has given us his word, and he's given us the Holy Spirit, and we cannot fall into the rut of running after prophets and asking for a word of God. Got to grow up, my church, people of God. And listen, I tell you this, the prophet is not your intermediary. Jesus is, amen. I am not your intermediary. Because so many people, pastor, we need you. We need you to hear from God. From, look, my job is not to draw your attention to me. My job is to draw your attention to Jesus. My job is not to, help, to tell you what God is saying to me all the time to you. My job is to teach you how to hear from God himself. Because God has no grandchildren. Come on. He loves all of you. He wants all of you to grow. He wants all of you to hear from God. Amen. And so this is really important now. Please do not hear me say that the five-fold ministry is unimportant. It is vital. The church will never come to full maturity without the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist will never come. And so they are important. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he split his gifts in five parts and he gave it to these five officers and they uh, are in the body of Christ to help bring the church into maturity. So we must give honor where honor is due. Amen. God separates people. He anoints people to do the work of the ministry with and do extraordinary things. In the early church, I'll give you one example. People would line up on the streets because they knew the apostle Peter would walk at a certain time from the temple to his place. And they would line six pe- sick people on the street because they hoped that the very shadow of Peter falling on them would heal them. And I believe in the, the principle of the anointed man of God. There is a powerful principle and that's why we must grow in the anointing for the sake of the people, right? But I want to tell you this, the moment you put the man of God on a pedestal, you are in danger of, of hero worship. The moment you put the man of God on your pedestal and and think that he's different and special and that he only can hear from God, I will not be able to hear. Listen, you are going to fall into the trap of hero worship. You're setting yourself up for a fall and you have to be very careful about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans that Jesus talked about in the book of Revelation. He says, I hate this doctrine. Literally, very strong language Jesus uses. He said, I Hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And what was the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? It was to separate the clergy from the laity. Like we clergy, we are, don't come in near me, right? I'm I'm a holy man. I'm a special man. You guys are all sinners, all right? And there's a thing, the moment you have that, it's a bad doctrine in the church, amen. And so we are brethren, hallelujah. Amen, we are brethren. And my job really is to point you to Jesus. Trust me when I say these, you know, a false prophet will draw attention to himself, but a true prophet will say, keep your eyes on him. Amen? I'm just a servant. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's really important. And I want to t- say a few more things about this because I think that's a very important. I want to talk about the elephant that's in the room today. And his name is Ravi Zacharias. I've been asked by several pastors, Pastor, you need to make a statement about Ravi Zacharis. And, you know, I, my, my position is like Bill Johnson. Now, Bill said one time, I think many years ago, he said, I reserve the right not to have an opinion. Help you. And I think that sometimes we're so opinionated, but I will say something because I met uh, Ravi twice in my life, once at a luncheon and once uh, when we were celebrating his 70th birthday and I was sitting beside him and I asked him a whole bunch of questions. And, um, and in both occasions when I met him, I've never found him to be uh, bombastic or uh, hubristic. I've always thought that he was a very humble person. I never, never sensed any sense of corruption or crookedness in, in the man, all right? But I want to say this, I don't know him. He's not my friend. I don't have his mobile number on my device, okay? I don't know him. I don't hang out with him. I have never read one of his books. I'm not into apologetics. I apologize a lot, but I'm not into apologetics. I'm not. That's a different stream. There are people that are very gifted. I admire those people, but that's not my stream. I have to learn how to stay in my own lane. Amen. I've not read one of his books, but I've watched a few of his sermons, and I think that he's a wonderful guy. And then all these things happen, And I tell you the pervasiveness of the exposure I've never seen ever before. Everybody knows about Rabbi Zechariah. Everybody knows about the sin. Everybody knows about the predatory nature he had. Everybody knows about the sexual problems that he had. It was widespread. And this is not something done in the... Everybody knows, all right? And it's like... um, I am shocked, I'm telling you. I, and I'm just, I, I know that we, we have, you know, as a pastor, we all suffer because of, you know, I had such an admiration for the man myself. Although I didn't know him very well. Uh, the times that I met him, I had a great admiration for the man. And, uh, and uh, for something like this to happen, it's very heartbreaking. And I'll just say this to you, right? I preached a sermon some weeks ago and I said, ancient Chinese proverb, you see a bad, you see a good man, emulate him. You see a bad person, Examine your own heart. And all I'm asking you is please examine your own heart. Uh, Somebody just sent to me, uh, is Zachary is going to go to hell? Come on, who am I to this? That's none of my business. That's none of my business. It's between him and God, amen? It's none of my business. All I will say is that I believe that his cancer was really uh, judgment and also mercy at the same time. And so I I, I want to appeal to those of you who have read his books and you have watched his videos and were blessed by the man. You don't have to go back home and do a witch hunt and burn all his books, all right? Because if you do that, then you can burn half the Bible. Half the Bible was written by adulterers and murderers, right? Moses wrote the first five books. He was a murderer. David was a murderer and adulterer, and we all sing his songs every week in church. Come on. So you don't throw the the baby with the bathwater. Is that right? I mean, if you uh, you know, but I know that it's going to take you every time you read him. Now it's going to you, you know you you're thinking, man, that guy, man, you know, it it hurt the whole ministry, and that's true. And the sad part is that he raised up a great ministry, and it's closing in many parts of the world right now uh, because they've lost all their support as well. So it's very important for us to to um, to get our bearings right now. John the Baptist. I want to come back to the message, right? John the Baptist. Uh, was a prophet, true prophet of God. And he said this, he said, I must decrease that he must increase. Right? In other words, people must be weaned off their dependency on the minister and their attention has to be uh, on the Lord. He must be our source, right? And you know, if you think about this, there is a hierarchy in heaven. Uh, the greatest shall be the least among you, right? The one who is first must be the servant of all. And uh, the hierarchy of the kingdom is built upon the foundation stone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone the apostles and prophets are the foundation stones. And you know, I, I've been in real estate for many years before, prior to my coming into full-time ministry. The only part of a building that you cannot see are the foundations. And I'll tell you that the greater you become, the more invisible you are. Amen. And it's really important for us you know, we, Because we don't want people to think that I'm the source. Jesus is the source. Amen. I've got clay feet like everybody else. All right. Just uh, as far as I know, I want to just make a few comments there are three kinds of prophets in the Bible. Let me just begin with the false ones, all right? Jesus himself warned of false prophets, of proliferation of po- false prophets, especially in the last days. Matthew 7:15. beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves, and you will know them by their fruit. In other words, we've got to grow in our ability to be fruit inspectors. You judge me not by what I'm preaching. You have to judge me by the fruit I produce. Look at the people that are in Cornerstone. And that's how you judge me. Are the people in Cornerstone pompous, arrogant, boastful? What kind of people do we have? What kind of fruit? Look at the ministry we have. That's how you judge a person, by the fruit that you have. The the, the test of a prophet is, is in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A good tree can only bear good fruit. A bad tree will only bear bad fruit. And then he double emphasizes it. He says a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. He said you will know them by their fruits. And this is the test, all right? It's very important, all right? And that's why I really believe that, uh, please let me circle back again and I hope that you forgive me for this. Ravi was a good tree that produced good fruit, but somewhere along the line, I think he was a tormented soul and he had nobody to talk to. Nobody to talk to. And that's the biggest problem in the church today. When we pastors are struggling with it. If I have a problem with pornography, who do I talk to? It's very difficult, right? I'm going to Tim, Pastor I'm going to confess why he's going to have that. Oh man, this pastor is what kind of a pastor. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's the way the whole church and we have to learn how to give one another some slack. Amen. And learn and, and the, the, you know, and every morning ask the Lord to just, give you the gift of forgetfulness. Woo! I really, you know, I, I, I don't, I, God has given me that gift. I really believe that with all my heart, the gift of forgetfulness. I can hear a man tell me all his sins and one week later, I don't even bother about this anymore. It doesn't matter to me anymore. He's confessed it. It's under the blood. If it's under the blood, who am I to remember? Come on. All right, and uh, now false prophets are amongst us, Okay. They walk amongst us. They behave like us. They speak Christianese like us. Uh, From the outward appearance, I guarantee you, you can't tell who are the false prophets. They have a predatory nature, and the only way we can identify them is through their fruits. But we must grow in our ability, like I say, to be fruit inspectors, right? Uh, When the father of lies come on the pulpit, he's always got a Bible under his arms. Trust me, right? Because the secret of a counterfeiter is depends on how closely he can counterfeit or, rese- the, or resemble the genuine. Heresy is not um, denial of truth. It is the perversion of truth. If Someone stands, if I have a guest speaker, and it will never happen, somebody, I'm just saying, uh, uh, if there is a guest speaker that stands up here, and he's saying, I want to stand and just first of all say that Jesus Christ was not born of a virgin. In five minutes, we would have bound him and cast him into the outer darkness. <laughs> True. We're not going to let him say those things of our pulpit. We can pick it up straight away. And a false deceiver, he will not say that. He will not outrightly tell you a, a, you know, a, a lie. But he will mix the truth with a lie. That's where the danger is. Right? The danger of a heresy is not the denial of the truth. It's a perversion of it. Which is why I think a half-truth is always more dangerous than an outright lie. Matthew 24 and verse 11: Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. This is specifically in reference to the last days. We're in the last days. The Lord does not exaggerate when He says many. Trust me, He will. He means many to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Christians, I'm asking you: Be on your guard. Be pray for the cover yourself with the blood. I'm telling you this because Christians are some of the most gullible people on this planet. Right. Lou Engel once said, a casual approach to prophecy uh, will produce casualties. So I think about that for a few moments. The second category of prophets are true prophets, right? And the warning that there will be false prophets, of course, implies that there are true prophets. Yes? Yes? Or else Jesus said all the prophets in the last days would be false, right? Anything that's worth counterfeiting, you trust me, there will be a counterfeit, right? And the only reason why there's counterfeit money is because there is true money, right? And the difference between the true and the false is the source. It's what's in their heart. It's what's in their heart, right? A good tree will produce good fruit. Come on, I'm telling you that this is how you judge, amen? And the bad tree, of course, will produce bad fruit. And then finally, we have presumptuous prophets. And this group of people, hardest to detect, because in this company of people, you've got the good and the bad. You've got those that are outright corrupted, all right? But you also have a lot of prophets, what what I call PITs, prophets in training, right, PITs. Or emerging prophets that make mistakes, that are naive and sometimes a little arrogant. Sometimes they go beyond the sphere of prophecy. Sometimes they prophesy into realms that they're not called to do. But they are good in their hearts, do you understand? And we all know somebody like this somebody who has a gift of God, but sometimes they go beyond themselves and they make all these mistakes and then we write them up and say, that's a false prophet. And the danger is sometimes if we do that, we will cut the wings of emerging young men that are really called into the ministry. Come on. And Matthew, uh, and I want to just, uh, because of time, I I, I don't want to belabor this, but in Matthew chapter 13, and verses 24 to verses 30, is I think one of the most important parables that you guys need to understand in the last days. This parable is designed for the last day church, okay? And this is the parable. It's the parable of the wheat and tares. And in my opinion, this is really the most important parable for us, right? Let me give you a synopsis of this, right? Jesus is the sower. And the sower goes out to sow. He's not sowing the word. That's the parable of the wheat, uh, the the sower and the, the different, four different kinds of grounds. This is the parable of the wheat and tares, right? He sows... The sons of the kingdom. The field is the world. And so um, the Lord goes out and he sows his sons. And sons also means daughters, right? He sows them into the world. And every son and every daughter is potentially a new church, a ministry, uh, an orphanage, a Bible school, a 24-hour prayer and worship. And and he sows these sons in the world to to establish his his ministries in, in, in in the field, all right? It says, while men slept, while we slept, the devil comes and he sowed tares amongst God's field. So, right beside the wheat, right beside the ministries in the church, you've got the tares. And where were they soul? They were so sown while men were sleeping. And I tell you this, and I warn you with great urgency, a spirit of slumber has come upon the church, and many Christians are falling asleep, and many Christians have lost their cutting edge, and they're becoming so influenced by that slumber. And Jesus warned us watch and pray. Watch and pray. Be alert, be diligent. Amen. And so the, the Lord says uh, to the, 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 the farmers, all right, the, they said, Lord, do you want us to uproot the tears?" The Lord says, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Because obviously we understand that the Lord allowed the tares to be sown in the field. And, if it, and and while it was, I know that while we were sleeping, the enemy did that, the Lord still allowed it to happen. And if the Lord allowed it to happen, then we must conclude that he has a purpose for the tears to be around as well. Come on, Good preaching. He has a purpose for the tares to be around. And one of the reasons he allows the enemy to sow tares is to teach us, the wheat, how to deal with the tares. How to deal with opposition because opposition, learning to deal with the opposition is part of the curriculum, my friends. Did not the Lord choose Judas? Did he not? Did he not choose Judas? Did he not know that Judas was a thief? What did he make Judas? What did he what appointment did he give Judas? Made him the treasurer. So there's some things that are more important to the Lord than protecting our offerings. Correct. There's something more important to know than just safekeeping our offering and the money bags, right? And uh, and what was the lesson that he wanted us to learn right there in his inner circle? He allowed opposition to manifest. Why? Because he wants to teach us how to deal with the opposition. He wants to teach us how to deal with the false. Because that's how we grow up and rule and reign with Christ. Hallelujah. That's the Lord's objective: was to prepare his disciples for confrontation. My friends, never be afraid of confrontation. Don't ever shirk away. If there is a need for confrontation, be bold, be strong. And I tell you this, more and more the church is going to find ourselves in a position where the church is going to be confronted and the leadership and the church must have the boldness and the strength to rise up. And so, um, okay, let me just take this to landing. Jesus said the harvest is the end of the age, right? Understand something about the harvest. It is a reaping of everything that has been sown from the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, right? Both good and bad. We often make the mistake of thinking that the harvest is just the harvest of souls. That's half the truth. It's also a reaping of everything that the devil, Satan, has sown in God's field. Everything is going to be maturing. And I tell you, these false prophets are maturing right now even as I speak the word. And that's why it's so important for the sons of God to mature as well. Because in the last days, the great confrontation is between the wheat and the tares. The mature sons of God and the mature sons of the devil. And there's going to be a head-to-head confrontation. And we better make sure we win the battle. We better make sure we're stronger than them. We better make sure we've got the wisdom of God. We better make sure we are bolder, amen. And all the lessons that we're going through and learning and preparing us for the battles that are ahead, may the Lord strengthen His church, hallelujah. But I tell you, this God wants to mature His sons, hallelujah, amen. What is the wisdom of God? God says in, Matthew, in, uh, in verse 13, He says, let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them but gather the wheat in my barn. So if we try to prematurely, uh, uh, before the harvest, sift the tares, the, 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 the we can also fall into the danger of destroying the wheat in the process. And the Lord is not going to permit that He loves His children too much. He loves His children too much, all right? And we have to be careful, all right? If we don't learn this wisdom, then man, we are going to be, uh, we're going to, it's, we're going to make the critical error of uprooting many young emerging prophets who are in the third category of prophets who perhaps are presumptuous, naive, or misguided. And so we uproot them. And uh, when you, if you do that, man, you're going to short circuit the plans of God because all of us, when we were young, we were naive and misguided as well. How many stupid things I've done. Listen, when, I, when God called me into ministry, He already factored my stupidity. He already factored in my stupidity. He already knew I was going to make mistakes. He already knew I was going to fumble and I was going to fall and I was going to do stupid things and make stupid decisions in my life. And He says, I'll still choose you. That's the grace of God, man. If you only knew who I was, you wouldn't want to be in this church. I promise you seriously and if I only knew who you were I don't want to be your pastor (laughs) I'm just kidding just kidding we're all sinners saved by grace so when people tell me pastor do you think Ravi is in hell if that's how God is going to judge I think half of us are not going to make it to heaven because of our sins so let's not judge amen the Lord says I love mercy I want to choose I, I choose to show mercy amen and, and finally, let me just say, I, I just maybe want to just read one or two more things and then um, this hero worship business has got to stop, right? We've got to... I, I've been in the ministry now for 30 years. I've met a lot of wonderful people, some of the most um, amazing Christians in the world. Yesterday, I was on Zoom with the pastor of the largest church in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, I was... Uh, and in the Zoom was a man called Lord Redding, Lord Simon Redding. So I said, Lord Reading, are you the, um, in any way connected with the Lord Reading? In the 1940s, you know, he was the chief uh, justice of the, the first Jewish chief justice in the United Kingdom. And if you've been to university and you did law or you did basic law, you would all probably have heard of of, uh, Lord Reading. And he said, he's my (laughs) great-grandfather. And you know, God is allowing us to, to, to impact the world right now. I I believe with all my heart, there's something that's happening here in Cornerstone that God wants to show forth in the world. But we got to make sure that we're not afraid. Amen. We got to make sure that Cornerstone is protected. And this is what I do every day. It's part of my curriculum. It's part of my agenda to make sure that every day we decree over Cornerstone what I prayed for you in the morning. That's how I pray for you every day to make sure that there is a hedge of protection over this church. You are safe in Cornerstone. Trust me. You are safe. If you leave and go to another church, I cannot help you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. This is not a prison. Trust me, all right? Cornerstone is not a prison. Anybody, feel free to leave and uh, that's fine. All right, what, I'll read one scripture and allow me to just make a comment and I'm done. Um, can we flesh that scripture up in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3? The Apostle Peter says this, but as there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, there will be false teachers, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow the destructive ways. Many, right, will follow the destructive ways. It's interesting that when somebody tells a lie, more people, if there are two people in the church today and one tells a lie and one tells the truth, trust me, the one who tells the lie will get the bigger audience, right? Somehow, Christians we just, we have this penchant for that, right? And, and so many will follow the destructive ways because of whom the way of truth is, will be blasphemed. But by covetousness, this is, okay, this is the motivation. By covetousness, by covetousness. That's the motivation. They will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgments have not been idle, and their destruction has not slumbered. I've had uh, been a recipient of many prophetic words. I've had people prophesy, Pastor Young, in three months Jesus is going to appear to you. In three months, God will take you up to heaven. You're going to see the glory. Three months went and went, never went up to heaven. Never saw Jesus. You know, I don't know how many hundreds of prophecies I received like that. But I don't, this, this, I don't, I don't judge them. I just. I'm not afraid of them. I realize this guy is speaking through his, uh, whatever comes to his head, you know. Not true prophets, but it's okay. They're not false. They have a good heart. But I, so we have to be careful, amen. When somebody comes to you and says all these things, and um, we have to grow up and be mature, amen. And especially in these last days, there's going to be a proliferation of false prophets. Let's all stand. I want to pray for you. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to, give you the antidote to uh, deception. The most formidable weapon that the devil has is deception. And the antidote to that is discernment. And discernment is given the moment you are born again, God gives you something called the anointing. And John 1, you have just read many times the Apostle John would speak about the anointing. He says this anointing is the true anointing. He says, There are many people. Uh, can we just flesh in one scripture uh, in 1 John? And uh, I just feel I should do that before I, I, I close in prayer. In 1 John um, and chapter, chapter uh, 2 and verse 26, it says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. My friends, there are people that will try to deceive you. There will be people that will try to milk you of your money. There will be people that will try to fleece you. There will be people that will try to steal your reward. But don't you let them do that. Don't you let them do that. Grow in this anointing. And this anointing helps you. This, the way it works is that when you hear something that is false, this anointing immediately will, will stir something up. And you will know, you will know that what is said is not from the Holy Spirit but from another spirit. And so it's really important that we grow in this anointing because in this anointing are the DNA of of discernment. And that's really important for us. Father, I thank you for Cornerstone Community Church. I thank you that this is a growing congregation, Lord. It's a maturing people, Lord. We've made mistakes in the past. But Lord, I I see the prophetic trajectory of this church is from glory to glory. Hallelujah. That you are bringing us to a higher vista. You're bringing us to a higher realm. You're bringing us to a higher place. And Lord, all the great promises that have been given to us. I know many of these promises and prophecies are conditional. But you have promised Cornerstone that we will see revival, Lord. And I hold fast to that, Lord. And while it might be delayed or we might think that it is delayed, the Apostle Peter said that some of you, my uh, that that um, you know, pe- there, there were people in Peter's day that were saying, "Where is the promise of His coming?" And Peter replies by saying, "The Lord is not slack in His promises as some of you count slackness, but He is long-suffering towards us that and, and desires and wills that none should perish." Amen. The Lord is not slack towards us. Amen. Sometimes there is a delay, but the delay is to test us, to see if we will still believe in spite of the fact that after months and years of prayer, something has not happened. The Lord says, will you still believe me? Hallelujah. Amen. And the delays are to build faith in me. And I'll tell you this, I believe with my heart, the prophetic word given over Cornerstone. I believe with all my heart, we are going to see great revival. This church is going to be a hub for mighty move of the Holy Spirit. And I hold fast to those promises and it will come to pass hallelujah sooner or later but it will come to pass hallelujah and i decree this over the house of god in the name of the lord jesus kababa shakaba lord release your presence in this house lord i pray release the spirit of revival in this house lord i pray in the name of the lord jesus make us strong oh god hallelujah shakaba lord let this church be a growing congregation a maturing congregation lord let us all learn to hear the voice of god let us all learn to mature, Lord. And I pray, God, that we will wean the people from the dependency on the need of pastors, God. And I know that the pastors and prophets and teachers and apostles and prophets are gifts from you to the church, but they will come to a place, Lord, where every single one of them, Lord, will know you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Every single one of them will come to that fullness of maturity, Lord. And so I bless you, my brothers and sisters, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's give God a big praise. Amen.